The rustle of leaves through the wind. The hoot of an owl. Crickets. The crackle of a well-built campfire. The sounds of nature surround us all. If we can just find it through the noise of everyday life. If you follow the Scout Trail, it'll lead you to nature, to real-life skills, leadership, and much more for the youth of our great nation. Welcome to Scout On Chattanooga, a podcast designed to encourage and embrace youth leadership right here in our area. Now, from the scenic city, here's Sean Whitfield, Jared Pickens, and Cubmaster Kyle. Hello, friends, and welcome to another edition of Scout on Chattanooga. I am Cubmaster Kyle, and, uh, well, unfortunately, we had a little bit of an issue during our recording, and that's why this podcast is coming out a couple weeks late. Yeah, apparently, segment one, as it was recorded, somehow the file broke or whatever but we wanted to make sure that you got the rest of the podcast so i'm here just to give you a little quick introduction today's podcast is uh, sponsored by summer camp at skymont scout reservation uh, going on its 51st year and you could be a part of it uh, all throughout the month of June. Go ahead and contact Brent Baker at the Cherokee Area Council Scout Service Center today to reserve your site and to get more details. You can get those at CherokeeAreaBSA.com. That is Skymont Summer Camp happening throughout the month of June, four different weeks to choose from here in the Cherokee Area Council. Would love to see you there. Again, details at CherokeeAreaCouncilBSA.com. All right, let's go ahead and get into the second segment of the podcast after this break. We'll be talking with Judge Alex McVeigh on the show today. Plus, we'll get you the full entire third segment of the show today as well. Hope you are enjoying Scout on Chattanooga, the podcast. We'll be back with more. This is Scout on Chattanooga, the podcast. Does your K through fifth grader like to hike, camp, and fish? How about making crafts and playing games? Well, it's time for them to make some friendships that can last a lifetime. Come join us for a wild ride (laughs) and adventure on with Cub Scouts. Go to BeASCout.org for more info on this exciting experience. Hey, this is Remy. I'm a Cub Scout, and I approve of this message. Happy New Year, gang. This is Dan Casagrand, Program Director up at Skymont Summer Camp. New Year means we've started building our 2024 camp staff. we got to put on an awesome summer camp program, and we'd love to have you be a part of making it happen. Staffing camp's a great way to give service back to scouting. As a part of our team, a team whose sole purpose is to educate and entertain the next generation of scouts while having a lot of fun. Working at camp, you'll teach others, hone your own scouting skills, learn new things, make friends, earn a merit badge or two if you want, and make a little money. I mentioned the fun part. We're interviewing youth and adult staff candidates, 14 and above, and we'd love to chat with you about the great staffing opportunities at Skymont this summer. To apply, go to CherokeeAreaBSA.com forward slash Skymont. Download a staff application, fill it out today. We hope to hear from you soon. Now back to Scout on Chattanooga. As we continue Scout on Chattanooga, I am Sean Whitfield along with Jared Pickens and Cubmaster Kyle. Jared, We've got another great guest joining us today in the studio. We do, and I was expecting that you would do the formal introduction. Well, I can. I, I was just... <laughs> but we're in for a treat today. Yeah, we are. And, and one reason I, I mentioned we got another great guest is because we're going to have to be careful 
that we don't turn this into an hour and a half to two hour long podcast. That's, that's right. So before Sean does the full introduction, let me tell you, we just spent, gosh, at least half an hour half talking hour. about everything under the sun. So I don't know how we boil that plus more yeah. into 20 minutes, but Sean's going to help us figure that out. Well, I will uh, try to control this as best I can. And it is my pleasure to introduce our guest today, Alex McVeigh. He is Hamilton County General Sessions court judge hello alex uh hello sean and, and jared and thank you for having me here today oh you're welcome and uh alex we were as jared mentioned we were talking to you before the show and i'm just trying to sit here and think okay where do we start <laughs> well where's he from there's you know, so much like... there's so many places we could go with this <laughs> but i guess from the from just a comment jared made i was thinking too you're not from Chattanooga. Uh, I am not. I However, am, I, you are a Chattanoogan now. I, I am a I am a, a declared Chattanoogan. This is this is my adopted hometown. I, I'm I'm never leaving. Uh, hopefully, you know, uh, Lord willing. But um, but no, I, I am a originally a, a raging Cajun uh, from Lafayette, Louisiana. So I'm a, I'm a lost Cajun up here in, in East Tennessee. But uh, I, I originally moved out here in 2012. Uh, was my my first uh, venture out to Chattanooga. I uh, worked at a law firm Chambliss Bonner and Stoffel. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I but I came from Nashville. Uh, I went to law school and, and undergrad at Vanderbilt and uh, had a girlfriend that that also moved out here to East Tennessee. And so um, uh, eventually, though, I, it became clear that that Chattanooga really is um, the, 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 the place for me. I mean, I, I love to, to hike and fish and, and from, you know, from, from growing up in, in Louisiana, this was uh, a similarly, uh, sized and, uh, small town, but, but that had kind of everything that I ever wanted. Uh, so one of those, uh, those big small towns. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I fell in love with the city. Uh, I fell in love with its people and, and, uh, worked for an outstanding, uh, law firm, you know, learned a lot, met a lot of folks. And so realized this was the place for me. So you were right out of law school when you came to Chattanooga. Okay. Exactly. So okay. I, I, so, Sean, you'll remember good things come from Nashville this direction. And <laughs> they? We've talked about this. Yeah, we've talked about this. Well, I can believe that. I mean, there's a lot of great things going on in Nashville for sure now. But uh, so you got into practice in law. Of course, I just made comment that you were a judge for Hamilton County General Sessions Court. So how did you get started in that position? Certainly. So I, I was I was practicing at Chambliss uh, Bonner and Stoffel, uh for about five years. I um, did a lot of business litigation, represented a lot of companies, large companies here, but also individuals. I was also the uh, East Ridge Assistant City Attorney. And you want to talk about some stories. Uh, I, my, uh, again, I, I love my, my folks from East Ridge, but uh, it, it was an, uh, an enlightening job. I would fill in as the city attorney up on the dais uh, for city council members, uh, me and, and Hal North, um, you know, served in that role and, and, and learned a lot. But but again, I, I did a little bit of everything at Chambliss. I uh, kind of made it a point not to specialize. You know, a lot of a lot of lawyers uh, choose for business purposes to to specialize in a certain area of the law, bankruptcy, um, complex lit products cases, uh, intellectual property, divorce law. Uh, I made the decision to kind of do um, a little bit of everything, uh, and and it and it, I guess, uh, certainly wasn't planning this, but it, but it, it served me well uh, when when Governor Haslam uh, came calling because uh, it, you know it, it it set me up and prepared me. Uh, with with some experience and knowledge across a wide variety of, of legal subject matter areas. Uh, and so ultimately in 2017, uh, Judge David Bales, uh, who uh, big supporter of, of scouts and, and, and still is uh, to this day, uh, he had to take medical leave. Uh, he was getting some cancer treatment on his throat and obviously couldn't continue on the bench. And so uh, the governor in these instances gets to make a temporary appointment 
uh, for someone to come in and, and fill in and, and start to clear up the docket that had gotten a bit clogged as he was receiving treatment. And so uh, I, I interviewed with his office and was recommended by a few folks. And ultimately, um, Governor Haslam appointed me to be that temporary special judge. I ended up being not so temporary because uh, Judge Bales never never came back to the bench. And so uh, I um, it went from Chambliss uh, initially, I'm sure, loved the free publicity and they thought I'd be back a couple months later to, to build more hours. And, <laughs> and, and I, I, I never I, I never came back. Well, that's got to make you feel good that the governor thought enough of you and you had enough credibility and uh, everything that goes with that, that he would choose you. Well, and, and I did have some experience uh, in Nashville uh, prior to moving out here as well. So I, I worked with a lot of our legislators and the governor and his staff when I was in Nashville. So after I graduated, I graduated from Vanderbilt uh, undergrad with a degree in economics and, um, and, and political science. And, and I decided to work for the, the, the state legislature for a couple of years before going to law school. So I was the Senate Judiciary Research Analyst, um, the youngest research analyst there at the time, the only non-lawyer research analyst. But it was my job to analyze every piece of legislation that affected civil and criminal law that came across the committee's desk. Hmm. And, you know, you see in Congress those giant, you know, thousand page <laughs> bills. It was my job to condense that to a, a summary that was digestible uh, by the legislators. And my so, goodness. Yeah, it, it was a job. And, and I also would meet with the various lobbyists and and, and help amend these bills and, and, and serve the entire committee. So had experience working with folks like Senator Bo Watson and, and Representative Hazelwood and, and Senator Gardenhire and um, and, and Lieutenant Governor Ramsey and Governor Haslam's staff. So Governor Haslam was elected while I was working down there. And so I had a good relationship. I think folks folks knew uh, me. They knew my work ethic. They knew, um, you know, what what I uh, if, certainly don't know uh, what I, what I don't know. Uh, but but I, what I can tell you is that I will be one of the ones that will be the last person to leave that office. And I'll, I'll try to work my rear off to find out the answer. So I think some folks knew about me. And then uh, obviously I had some individuals at Chambliss who vouched for me. One of those being the former chief justice of our Supreme Court, Mickey Barker. He was my office neighbor at Chambliss and uh, he was the former chief justice of the Supreme Court. And he also uh, recommended me to the governor and said, listen, you put this young guy in there. Uh, he's he is going to help clear up that docket. Uh, he is going to learn. He's going to ask questions. He's going to, if he doesn't know the answer, he's, he's going to research and, and find out the answer. And he will be an even keeled uh, individual, you know, to, to be your temporary judge. And so um, the, the governor, I'm, I'm thankful that he trusted me to get in there. And then um, once I took the bench, I'm, I'm sure it goes without saying, folks were like, who in the world is this guy? Um, <laughs> so, it, so Sean, for our listeners, right, because this is a podcast, it's not a not Are a you video. sure it is? Yeah, I think so. I don't see any cameras in here. You were going to put cameras oh, in. Oh, yeah, there's a camera in here. That's a You're security being camera. Right that okay, so anyway, no one can see Alex, Judge, Judge McVeigh. That's a good but, thing. But, <laughs> that's a good thing. But he said something very quickly amidst all of that, and that is, you know, hey, I was young. I was, you know, I had this opportunity. They got to know me. And so um, I just want everyone in the listening audience to imagine me 
but better looking and younger. Okay. And that would be Alex. So how old were you? So 2017. Wait, so are you saying you and Alex favor? No, I'm saying he's much better looking. Oh, okay. But I'm saying, so 2017, yep. you're, you're what? So like 14? I, I, um, no, I, I, so the, the constitution requires you to be 30, uh, to be selected as a judge. And so at the time I was interviewing, I actually was 30. Ultimately, uh, was appointed at 31. And so I, I was the youngest judge in the state. And I believe one of the youngest, uh, in, in the nation. Uh, I, I think there's some municipal judges, uh, uh, traffic judges across the country that were a little bit younger, but certainly was uh, the youngest at that time. And so, congratulations! Uh, I, I appreciate it, and, and and condolences. You should say because as <laughs> I as I remember my first day, um, you know, it was like I had leprosy in that courthouse. I mean, the folks, you know, really did. They, uh, it was a bit of a shock when I was appointed. Uh, I'm sure folks thought my my dad was golfing buddies with the with the governor, you know, mm-hmm. and that, that that was not the case. But but I knew. That, you know, for, for me to be to do this job effectively and to serve the community, I, I had to prove myself to folks at the courthouse. So I had to be the first one in the last one to leave. I had to, um, you know, I, I had to put my all into every decision. And if I didn't know the answer, I was the first to take a recess and and rely on some of my colleagues to do research. I, I started writing opinions uh, for General Sessions Court. Uh, folks, typically judges don't typically write you know, researched opinions. It's typically where we're such high volume and we can go into that in a little bit, but, but typically you just deliver your opinions from the bench. I, I made it a point to, to, to research and, and write, write out, um, my, my decisions so that folks, uh, had a clear understanding of what the law was and that I was following the law and, and applying the facts to the law. And so, so again, I, I just, I say all that because, um, kind of throughout my life, I've often been kind of uh, the youngest uh, person in an area, a little bit underestimated. And so um, kind of take that chip on my shoulder and, and say, I'm going to show you that I will I will work. Uh, you know, I, I will be the hardest worker in that in that courthouse. And hmm. hopefully I've 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 done that. Hopefully I've 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 won over some folks. I um, the Bar Association ranks the Hamilton County's judges every eight years. And uh, a year ago, uh, I, I was at the top of of, of that list uh, amongst our area lawyer. So I was just honored to, to that. Ho- yeah. Hopefully that hard work's paying off. So you, you were a scout, you weren't a scout, but you knew about scouting. You're yeah. aware of it. Like where, where does, where does scouting fit into Cer- Alex's? Certainly. World here? I uh, grew up in, in Lafayette, Louisiana, but was never a scout. Uh, but, but early on, particularly after I was appointed, a lot of my mentors were, um, either, either scouts or, or involved in, in, in area scouts, uh, here, uh, judge David Bales, I mentioned was one Judge Clarence Shattuck, uh, was another, a lot of my colleagues at, uh, Chambliss Bonner were, were uh, involved in scouts, Steve Barham, Jeffrey Maddox. And so, um, I, I would routinely go to, uh, to, to lunches, uh, for scouts at, you know, our yearly lunch. And also, um, j- just really, you know, I, I think the mission is so important, particularly from my vantage point now on, uh, dealing with a lot of criminal cases, um, seeing a lot of young men that, that, that enter into my courts. Um, you know, I know you had uh, district attorney Womp talked a little bit about this on uh, a couple months ago, but, but seeing, um, how our, our youth are, are, are not, um, being prepared to be grown responsible adults. I think, uh, if, if scouts were available and more folks took opportunity, uh, to, to participate in scouts, I think, a lot of these young men I, I might not see in my courtroom. Right. So I, I think it's just so, so valuable. And, and I want folks to learn more about it because I think a lot of individuals in our courts could, um, could change their life if, if they were involved. And, and you, and I know you're going to talk about uh, drug court and, and what that works, uh, how that works in a minute, but I just think about, you know, a lot of our listeners, they're parents of scouts, they're mm-hmm. leaders of scouts. Yep. What do you see from your vantage point on the bench that might 
help them in their service to youth, or maybe if they're not in service to youth, get them into service with youth. Certainly, yeah. And, and again, I, I think there's just so many individuals that I see in the criminal justice system uh, that are, are getting involved with, with drugs and alcohol in an, early, in an earlier age. Um, I, I can talk for, for hours about the fentanyl poisoning epidemic that's happening in our community. But but again, I, I think um, individuals and, and a lot of them don't have the family support that a lot of the, your listeners, you know, give to 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 those and uh, to our youth. But um, I, I just see day in and day out. It seems like the, the you know, you can talk to Judge Phil y'all about juvenile court. You know, he sees it every day. But I, we're just seeing younger and younger individuals, uh, younger and younger young men uh, coming into the criminal justice system. And so I just think it's really important uh, that these folks have mentors. These folks understand um, about drugs in our community right now and these folks are kind of given a little bit more direction and so i hope the courthouse can be a place of learning not only for scouts but for anyone that's ever interested in kind of seeing that side uh, of of the law Uh, i I tell everyone i I have multiple seats up next to me at, at the bench anyone is welcome to come literally sit next to me on the bench and hear the 200 criminal cases i have that that day and to kind of hear to see it from wow. this side. And so That's cool. high schoolers, law, law students, uh, you guys, any parent, if they ever want to come down to the courthouse, I'll make my information, my, my government information available to you all to share. They can email me and come down and sit and see the, the court system from my perspective. That's amazing. Thank you so much for that offer. And uh, what about like, a scout maybe that's my son what if i want to have him in the other stand like the wit like you can just kind of like you know you just sit, sit there him the right box, you know? <laughs> a little scared straight Sean, we, uh, you, know. you know we have I, I will say i have had some individuals I, I will get in addition to your misdemeanor and your early felony cases i actually will i'll hear speeding tickets on the interstate uh and i i have a time or two particularly folks that have been going far too uh, fast <laughs> over the speed limit, oh, you know, reckless driving that they, they could have been charged with a criminal offense, but going 40 and 50 over the speed limit, I will let them walk to the back holding cell with my bailiff to see uh, what driving this way, the consequences that that could occur, not simply just the speeding to pay a speeding ticket, but you're looking at potential jail time. And I like to have some of my younger individuals uh, go back there with their parents to see what a holding cell <laughs> looks like. <laughs> so, so All right, watch uh, out, Theodore. Uh, yeah. Watch out. Better do that homework. Our, our guest today is Hamilton County General Session Court Judge Alex McVeigh. Alex, before we get into further detail uh, about your day to day, let's rewind for just a moment and make sure our listeners are, on, are clear with what General Sessions Court yep. is and what is it all about. Yep. So, so General Sessions Court is Tennessee's version of um, we're kind of your ER of the court system. We're, we're your we're your triage. We're your high volume court. Uh, so everything from a public intoxication charge that happened last night uh, to to a homicide uh, will be, uh, you know, in my courtroom next week. So so um, for misdemeanor cases, I actually have the authority to preside either as a, an, over a bench trial or a, a plea agreement that's reached between uh, the district attorney and, and the defense attorney. Uh, I, I preside over misdemeanors and I can sentence somebody to up to 11 months, 29 days in custody. Now, oftentimes, you know, for like a, a drug charge, there might be they might 
uh, be found guilty or plead guilty to a drug charge, theft charge, a paraphernalia charge. Those are three year long sentences that I can stack and sentence someone to. So that that's my authority under the Constitution, the law of the state of Tennessee as a general sessions judge. Um, but I also preside over felonies. Uh, I am I'm the first stop for a, a, a felony uh, defendant. So someone's charged with a felony. Let's let's use homicide. Uh, they will appear before me uh, within 14 days. Uh, and I will decide if there's enough proof, there's enough probable cause to send this case on further down the line. So the next stop would be the grand jury. And then the grand jury would be another set of eyes uh, to make sure that they believe that an indictment should should ultimately issue and that person should proceed to felony court for their jury trial. Um, we have these various checks in our criminal system for just for that reason. We have checks and balances. We have multiple sets of eyes because that that defendant he might not have or she might not have her jury trial for multiple years. So so it's really my initial job to make sure there's enough proof in this case that may justify that individual remaining in custody for for months and years before their their trial. So really, like in my mind, Sean, when I hear Judge McVeigh talking like this, it makes me think, well, you're kind of the judge I think about like pretty much every day when I think about, oh, someone's going to, you know, have an issue. They're going to, you know whatever i mean you're you're pretty much we, seeing we, all we, that we are we, we refer to ourselves as the er but also we're kind of your people's court so 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 i i will i will make bail determinations i will decide whether someone's going to be on house arrest or set their monetary bail I, I will be that first judge oftentimes my courtroom's filled with tv cameras because if you think about it oh, wow. um, we're the first you know some some high profile case you might see in the news it's just occurred it's it's fresh. It's in the news. So we have our, our courtrooms are packed. I mean, oftentimes you will have family members of, of victims who are mm. there. You will have TV cameras. So so the emotions can be quite high. The the and, mm. and so it's it's very important. Even though our courtrooms can also seem pretty, oftentimes see pretty chaotic because there's so many folks in there. Uh, it's always re- important for me to remember that for every one of these defendants on my docket of 200, this is potentially the most important day of their life. Every one of the uh, these victims that are in my courtroom. Every one of the a victim's family member. This is the imp- most important day of their life. And so I try to m- run my courtroom accordingly, even when uh, it is there's 200 cases on the docket. So are um, you able to get all those in one day? So so it, we it, now typically a, a docket, let's say a docket of 200, um, there will be a lot of, um, you know, new court date. So case might not be ready to go. They'll, it'll be reset. You might get a lot of plea agreement. So a lot mm-hmm. of our cases are resolved by the district attorney proposing uh, and negotiating with the defendant or the defendant's attorney. They, they reach an agreement and ultimately I can accept or reject that agreement. Uh, if, if it's not a, an, an illegal uh, against the law, an illegal agreement or an agreement that's pretty egregious, oftentimes the judge will simply accept that agreement. Uh, and then that, so that, that can happen pretty quickly. Um, a bench trial, you know, if there's a, a domestic assault case, and, and there have to be witnesses. I mean, that will be an hour or two hours. A, a murder preliminary hearing, when it's a significant uh, number of, of witnesses, officers, they that can go for a couple hours. So, so sometimes it, it's it's kind of tough to predict what your day is going to look like. Sometimes you'll go in at eight thirty, and you might be done by noon and can have a lunch break. Other days it will go well past into the afternoon, and then our afternoon dockets have to be rescheduled because uh, the day will be quite full. So that's on the criminal side. But the other thing that I that I do, um, we're also your judge Judy. So we hear any civil dispute 
up to $25,000. So think about your residential construction disputes, car wrecks, your evictions, your, um, you know, uh, uh, a, 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 an issue with your neighbor, uh, someone bites a dog bite and you'd sue your neighbor for your medical bills. <laughs> it that, sounded that better when up. the person was doing the bite. Now you started <laughs> out that way. That sounds good. But, but that, that is what we also hear. And we, we hear from 10 to 15,000 of those cases a year. So, I mean, you're looking at, you know, you know, 50, 60,000 criminal cases, 10 to 15,000 civil cases. It, it is a, a very large number. I, we've estimated uh, the number of cases I have personally presided over, and it's over 80,000 cases I have presided over in, in the seven or so, six and a half so it, years. If if I had one of those type cases, and uh, I, I live in the city limits mm-hmm. of Chattanooga, I would still come through your court. The city of Chattanooga doesn't have that same court. So, so the city of Chattanooga does have a municipal court, but 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 Judge Patey in the municipal court handles uh, traffic violations on city roads. So, if you, you know, stop sign traffic violation on on you know uh, on, on any city road, you'd go in front of her. You could also go in front of her for violating a city ordinance. Uh, there's also some administrative hearing officers that the city has, but if it's a noise ordinance or a, a you know some you know fence ordinance something that you've violated uh trash being out too long you could go to city court but but they don't have city court doesn't have criminal jurisdiction to sentence somebody to to jail time uh and they also don't hear civil cases so for all of those within hamilton county uh, you will come to general sessions court okay and you 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 also mentioned that there's some special <laughs> projects that you've worked on uh, other types of court, uh, which are things that, and I'm sorry to preamble this, but I don't think of as court, yep. right? So it's very interesting. Could yep. you share some of that with us? Certainly. I, um, again, coming in, uh, when I, um, after I took the bench, uh, and, and I, I don't have a family at home. I, I said, I, uh, originally had a girlfriend out here that, that came with me from Nashville to East Tennessee. But when we split up, uh, I, I, I don't have a, a young family at home. So not I not even a dog, I, I, uh, multiple dogs. I, I, uh, you <laughs> can see my, my great Pyrenees, uh, the hair on me currently. But, uh, but, but I say all that because I think, I, I guess I still have that law firm mentality as a judge. I mean, a lot of my colleagues, some of them are towards the end of their career uh, as as a judge. You know, a lot of you, you picture a typical judge as someone who's a little bit older and might be more near uh, retirement. I, I'm I'm not. I'm 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 37 now. Uh, so so when I I'm I'm not used to leaving the courthouse at five o'clock. That's just not how my brain works. I'm a bit of a workaholic. So so again, I I, I like to stay pretty late into the evening. I I live downtown. I'm the only judge that lives in in Highland Park. And so I actually sign a lot of search warrants late at night for officers. So they don't have to go to Silverdale. They can just come to my house. And so so with that, I say that because I've. Again, I, um, I I don't want to say I, I get bored easily, but I, I'm I'm always looking at ways that you know we can improve uh, the the system. Just simply, you know, we've always done it this way. I don't think that's a pretty uh, great way to run uh, a business or or a court. And so, uh, one of the things I did early on, one of my mentors uh, at Chambliss, and then after I took the bench, was Judge Tom Greenholtz. He's been recently appointed to the Court of Appeals, but uh, he was at the courthouse with me, and he approached me along with Dr. Elaine Kelly, who ran the felony drug court program for many years. And they said, was I interested in trying to implement a program in General Sessions Court to attempt to intervene in the lives of some of these individuals who've had long-term drug use, long-term addicts, folks with substance use disorder, and try to help intervene in their their lives before they built up this enormous felony record. And, and, And again, terrorized our streets with picking up more and more criminal offenses for many, many years. Could we reach them a little sooner? Uh, and, and I immediately was, um, was intrigued just 
bit of a personal note. I, I grew up um, uh, with with a biological cousin. Our, our moms are identical twins, so actually biologically uh, my half brother, uh, but also uh, my my cousin. But we grew up with him more as my brother. Lived with me on occasion. Our families are quite close, and I lost him in 2008 to an oxycontin overdose. And so I, I started. I, I always uh, and a lot of these young individuals that come in and out of court, I, I see him. You know, in in them, I see some of their actions. They're criminal and, and, and addictive thinking and behaviors that start to fuel how they operate to, and, and, and their life is all about, you know, getting getting their hands on some of these substances. And, and I started to, to see him and them. And I said, you know, I, I want to do this. I want to see if we can implement a program to reach these folks. And so in 2018, we applied under the Trump administration for uh, a federal grant and we received it. Um, to a half a million dollars to start our misdemeanor drug recovery court. We've since renewed that grant uh, in, in, under the Biden administration, and we've also received some state funding as well as the county commission really stepped up uh, and agreed that we want to grow this program. We want to invest some of this capital on the front end to reap the rewards uh, on, on the back end. And when I talk about rewards, my graduates, folks that have longer rap sheets than you can imagine. So these are the um, these are not folks that can simply go to one rehab stint and be okay. These are folks with long-term substance use, long-term criminal history, so high risk of reoffending, high need of treatment. The worst of the worst, a lot of times in some folks' eyes, these individuals are graduating my program, and my recidivism rate's only 15% currently. The, the the average criminal recidivism rate seventy percent. Just for the lay 70%. just for the lay people out there, I learned this recently. No. Um, so if you're out there and you're like me and you're wondering what is recidivism, uh, it just it's, it's being back in the system. So so re being rearrested, just being in and out. So typically somebody might serve time, even if they serve all that time in custody. Oftentimes they might even find narcotics in custody. Once they're released, they've served their time. They're right back on the streets. They're committing thefts they're, to fuel their drug use. They're 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 purchasing, buying, buying drugs, and it's just in and out the cycle that 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 doesn't stop. And so my graduates, when they graduate, they have helped position themselves to be productive, tax-paying members of society. One of my graduates recently started his own HVAC company. Had three employees when he graduated. Wow. This is somebody that had never, you know, even rented an apartment, you know, before. And people are purchasing their first homes. People are getting their kids back, getting custody of their kids back, having sober babies. So breaking the cycles of generational drug use by participating in this program. Mm-hmm. So something I'm, I'm proud of, uh, something that takes a lot of time. Uh, it's all volunteer time. I, I have drug court, uh, recovery court, uh, we call it on, on Monday evenings, but really I deal with these folks all day, every day, uh, and so, something I'm passionate about, but it's something that works. And it's something that our, our, our officials, elected officials know that works. And it's something that's being replicated across the country. Do you work with the YMCA program, YCAP? So, so actually, um, that was the uh, first board that I was on here in Chattanooga. Okay. So, so Joe Smith invited me to be on the YCAP board oh, yeah. uh, when I moved to Chattanooga. Uh, I have rolled off of the board uh, after I was appointed, but, but, but Joe Smith's a great friend of, of mine and, and uh, you know, participate Guns and Hoses every year. We will volunteer at the you know, YCAP Center. And then Joe Smith's actually started a prison prevention end zone program. It's kind of like the second coming of YCAP. So there, you know, again, he's reaching high risk uh, youths uh, through his new prison prevention ministry program, in addition to Andy Smith, his son, who's running that YCAP program. So two amazing programs. Uh, and, and again, trying to just how can you intervene in the lives of folks who start going down the wrong path? 
who a lot of them have experienced trauma that none of us would ever even imagine at a young age, start using drugs at, at, at a 12 year, 11, 12 year old age, become addicting to drugs. So if we think about that, all these individuals are using substances so early that their brain's never fully developing. If it's developing, it's developing in a way that's, uh, that, that, that is not going to be helpful to them. Uh, and so it's really how do you reteach these folks how to think? And how to to think about where their thoughts are going to try to change those thoughts, to change those actions and to try to really help educate this person to be a productive member of society who can operate. I mean, and again, their, their, their use has gone on for so long that literally their brain, their brain chemistry's changed. The, the opioid mm-hmm. receptors that that are affected with uh, that, I mean, they, they must they need opioids more than they need water. So so how do you reach these folks? And it's completely changing the way they think. It's with treatment. It's with supervision. Uh, and so that it's a program I can talk to you about for hours. I'm passionate about it. It works. Uh, I like to promote it for folks that are in the criminal justice system. If you know anybody in the criminal justice system that wants to uh, see if they might qualify for recovery court or mental health court, uh, please, uh, please spread the word. So what's a way and maybe this is the wrong question. So feel free to rephrase it um, to fit the answer that you're going to know. But you know, what's the way that you need normal citizens like parents and scout leaders and me and others? How do we advocate and support? I mean, we're not obviously attorneys or yep. some people may not be interested in that. What can people just talk about, share with yep. their friends yep. that, that helps all this? Certainly. Well, well, one thing about about substance use disorder, uh, it, it doesn't discriminate. I'm sure both of you know somebody that's uh, struggled with with substance use issues, addiction issues. Uh, doesn't discriminate on on race, religion, socioeconomic class. E- everyone knows somebody that has uh, lost someone to 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 drug use to to an overdose. Um, so so what I'm trying to spread the word, and hopefully the folks, your listeners, could spread the word. Um, not only is it so important that that treatment become less stigmatized in our community, particularly individuals that hmm. that that might not be some of, uh, you know, families that you would, uh, you know, that, that that you might predict to be in the criminal justice system. But just any, you know, aunt, aunt Sue and, and cousin, uh, cousin Bobby. I mean, if if he gets his hand on, on opioids and he starts to start using um fentanyl and and all all of a sudden you are in the same situation that so many folks in our community are in so so spreading the 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 word about um about what treatment options are available also spreading the word about what drugs are on our street um i know you're going to be having uh uh, i think chief murphy or maybe some police officers i hope you would have on in the future because i think I, i think when some parents think about drugs on our street they maybe think about Maybe the marijuana that that they that they learned about, knew about in the 70s or or 80s. They're not thinking about what's on our street today. And what I will tell you, because I'm signing the search warrants, I'm seeing the uh, the cases, every bit of narcotics, every bit of dope in our city right now has amount of fentanyl in it. Right. Fentanyl fentanyl is poisoning our young people, poisoning uh, Chattanoogans. Uh, 150 people a day, you know, dying of overdose, most of that being fentanyl, uh, fentanyl in, in, infused. Uh, so it's just really, really important that everyone knows to never take a pill. You think there's a an Adderall pill that's given to your your son this is that, that your son gets their hand on. I, I had an overdose on that, an Adderall pill that was literally just baby aspirin and fentanyl in a pill press pressed to look like an Adderall pill. Hmm. All right. I've, I've had I've had marijuana vape pens. There's literally fentanyl that they found in the wax of the vape pen all right all of your methamphetamine all of your cocaine all of your heroin 
every bit of uh, all of the drugs in our city has fentanyl in it. And and it, some people think, well, why on earth would you put fentanyl in methamphetamine? It's an upper and a downer. Why would you? These aren't rocket scientists, people. These are these are <laughs> these are drug dealers that, wow. you know, and, and these these narcotics. Folks that don't know, fentanyl typically is made in labs in China. Uh, it oftentimes gets shipped over to, to Mexico. It might come through through the border, uh, and and so this these drugs have been cult cut multiple times. All right, so so if somebody is using what they might believe to be cocaine, uh, it is not. And these drug dealers want to make the cheapest product possible. What is cheap? Fentanyl is cheap. Lab made fentanyl. So you will get what could be a valuable amount of heroin, methamphetamine, cocaine, and it's only a little bit of that original substance. The rest is now fentanyl. So you've, you've taken a substance that somebody who's, who's been using, maybe addicted, thinks that they're taking X. Now when they go to use, they're taking Y, and that Y is <laughs> laced with fentanyl. So, so we have a, a fentanyl poisoning epidemic that's spreading across our community right now, and it's just very, very important. Uh, again, it doesn't discriminate. Uh, there, there, there is no pill, no substance uh, that, that, that your child should be taking that you don't know exactly where that came from. If it's a pharmaceutical, everyone needs to know, um, see that prescription, see where it comes from, uh, because we are just seeing it uh, across the community right now. Hmm. And, and, and one, one final thing, I mean, I'm talking about the, 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 the scary part of, of drugs in our city, um, but there are also things that parents should know about, do their research about what you can purchase in your own gas station. All right, everything from from your, your Delta 8, your Kratom, your Finibut, your Tianeptine, things that are advertised as uh, help mood enhancers that you see behind the glass at your neighborhood gas station. A lot of those are actually substances uh, that very well could be illegal here. Uh, they are, uh, you know, Finibut has a, you know, response. Your body will have a response like like it does to heroin. It's a it's a it's a Russian heroin that's put in these products that are sold to folk to, to kids, but also folks who have substance use disorder. And in that usage, kratom usage, delta eight usage can oftentimes lead uh, back to a drug of choice for an addict. You know, it could also t- lead to more serious drugs that are consumed. So it's really important for for families to research every product that you may see your son or daughter coming home from the the gas station with, because mm. that actually could contain one of these drugs that very well could be illegal and, and uh, are illegal in certain states. Well, that's very informative because I didn't even know several of those things that, that you just mentioned. And, and I know Sean, you know, he may have some questions or, or, or whatever, but I do want to say too, and uh, um, I know from our, our listeners are probably wondering, probably they see signs around town, they see Alex McVeigh, you know, because you are, uh, you're running for your next job. And um, I know we don't uh, have an ability to do forums and stuff, but just so people can be on the lookout. Yes, if you see the signs out there, Alex McVeigh, this is the Alex McVeigh. He is out there running for uh, uh, another judicial seat. And uh, I'm sure they could, um, you've got a website or something yep. that you oh. could provide if people I, had more questions. I, I do. I, VoteJudgeAlex.com. And again, that's, that's not why you guys invited me on the show. And so I appreciate you mentioning well, that. Sure. And, and, and I am running, a, a, you know, I have a job that I love. Uh, but but ultimately, um, this is a state court judgeship I'm, I am running for. But, uh, you know, win, lose or draw. Uh, again, I'm, I can still promise the, the, the folks who have elected me uh, previously or this time that I'm just going to work my tail off to serve them. And I'm sure regardless of what bench you're sitting behind, you're still willing to have scouts and leaders come and, and support. How do they get in contact with you if they're interested in touring your courtroom yep. or... Yeah. Um, coming in and doing a merit badge with you. Yeah. Uh, if, if you want to call down to the courthouse uh, again to to come down to the courtroom and actually see court in action, 
uh, to to be a part of any of these programs, but to see court to sit up on the bench. Uh, if, if there's ever a field trip or anything that needs to be set up, you can call down to the, the, the my office at uh, 423-209-7660. Also, I'm happy to make uh, my email and other personal, I'll make my cell phone available to, to you, Jared, so you can share that with anyone that has that wants to reach out to me about uh, you know, learning, being involved, coming down to the courthouse. Anyone's welcome. Uh, this goes for all of our judges at the at the criminal courthouse where I currently met, and also the circuit courthouse or federal courthouse. I mean, we have some outstanding uh, judges that that want to. Um, you know, the the whole justice system is a little bit stigmatized, like a cloud. No one knows unless you've been in court what actually happens there. So we'd love to come and kind of destigmatize our courts and let you learn as much as you you would like to learn about them. Judge McVeigh, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you for having Very me. Very educational. We may have to have a part two. I, I'd, I'd love to be down there. I, I, I appreciate you guys having me. Again, uh, recoverycourt.org is a website that anyone can go to that has questions about substance use uh, uh, issues or, or drug court, whether it's in the criminal justice system or not. We can make sure you're connected to resources available in the community, uh, and anyone can get in touch with me as well. All right. Sounds great. It's time for a quick break. For Jared Pickens, Cubmaster Kyle, I'm Sean Woodfield. And more Scout on Chattanooga to come after this brief message. We'll be back with more. This is Scout on Chattanooga, the podcast. My name is Kathleen, and I'm a Cub Scout. I'm here to talk to you today about becoming a Cub Scout like me. Cub Scouts get badges for doing fun activities, and we make friends. Scouts go camping, climbing, fishing, and swimming together. We have fun, we play sports, and go to parades. Scouts also help people and become the best versions of themselves. Visit BeAScout.org to find a pack near you. For more than 100 years, the Order of the Arrow has recognized scouts and scout leaders who best exemplify the scout oath and law in their daily lives. Arrow men are known for maintaining camping traditions and spirit and for providing cheerful service to others. OA service, activities, adventures, and training for youth and adults are models of quality leadership, development, and programming that enrich and help to extend scouting to America's youth. For more info on the OA and scouting in our area, Visit CherokeeAreaBSA.com. Now back to Scout on Chattanooga. As we continue Scout on Chattanooga, I am Sean Woodfield along with Jared Pickens and Cubmaster Kyle. And gentlemen, we've just got a few minutes left in today's podcast. Jared, I understand uh, on the calendar is a annual event that is coming up that is a big, big deal in That's the right. scouting community. So tell us about it. Yeah, thank you so much. February the 28th, 11.30 a.m. at the convention center is our 20th annual Friends of Scouting Luncheon. Thank you to Scott Fossey and all the people who put this together before I got here. And thank you to all of our volunteers, staff, and board members for continuing it since I have been. I tell you, we're going to have a great guest, uh, keynote speaker, Joe Theismann. Um, so Sean and um, probably someone you'll remember you you might have been watching that uh, that game where he broke his leg on national TV uh, playing for the Redskins he uh, was yeah one of the top quarterbacks back in my growing up days he he was playing primarily in the 80s 
I think, yeah. 80s, I early 90s? Was right, it was the 80s. You were, what, 35, 40 years old when you were well, watching those games? Uh, <laughs> I, I beg to differ. I graduated <laughs> high school in 86. Was that the year you were born? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was the year Kyle was born, I think. But uh, Joe uh, Theismann, when I heard uh, or when I got the message that uh, uh, your organization and staff was able to secure Joe Theismann, I was quite impressed. That's that's a big name in the well. He has a football world. He, uh, as I understand it, is a life scout um, himself mm-hmm. and cares about scouting. I've actually heard him speak uh, a little bit at another uh, national scouting function, and so yeah, I think it'll be a, a great thing. So here's what you need to do if you're if you're listening to the pod tonight or whenever it is you're listening. It may not be the evening. You need to remember a couple things about the lunch. Okay, number two, it's coming up really quick. It's back in the spring this year. So if you want to come, you got to let us know now. Okay. Um, there's no cost to attend, but we do ask for a donation at the event, like a pledge of support. And so um, there's that. If you want to host a table, you can do that and be a table host. If you want to buy a whole table, um, you can do that. Um, if you want to just come and support as a scouting volunteer, you know, Sarah in our office is in the process of working through making sure we always try to get all of our units represented, have their uh, unit flag and their American flag come and be a part of the scout procession. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a big hit with um, scouts and, and leaders. We always do a little goodie bag for all the scouts that come and do that. That's a really unique thing for them to be a part of. And it just makes them, it kind of reinforces that, hey, there's, you know, there's 400 people in this, 500 people in this room that want to support me. Makes them feel really good for those scouts that can be there. So um, if you're an individual, love for you to come. Just let me or Aurora know so we can coordinate that with you. If you're a pack or a, a troop leader, we definitely want to make sure your unit is and your flag is represented in the parade flags at the beginning. What am I missing, Kyle? Is uh, Real quick, is there anywhere online folks can go for more information? Yeah, you can just go to our website and uh, click on uh, the drop down. And at the top, it should be the fundraising or development, I think. And there's a link to go um, to the luncheon page. And you can you can do all everything I said. You can do there, except for letting us know if your unit wants to be a part of the Parade of Flags. And the address is what? It's the Convention Center no, downtown. No, 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 the web address. Oh, excuse me. Thank you. It is <laughs> Cherokee, area, uh, uh. Cherokee Area BSA.com. All right. Sounds good. Yeah, thanks for thanks for that. And I, I think it's going to be a great. Uh, I can't wait to hear him speak. I don't know what he's going to say, but I, I think it'll be fascinating to hear him. Well, it's speak. a good thing because you wouldn't want to go hear him speak if you already knew what he was going to say. Right. Well, I can tell you that uh, the individual that we work with to help book our speakers every year for about the last decade, um, they are a huge fan and have been trying to get us to bring him here for many years. They're like, look. You know, I know Chattanooga now. I know your people. I know what they like. They're going to love this person. So if really you ever get it. the opportunity to schedule a uh, former head coach of the Washington Redskins, Coach Joe Gibbs, outstanding. I've heard oh, him really? speak okay. twice. Outstanding man. I That's think great. the world of him. So one last thing, one last thing I'll say, and that is that. You know, all of our table hosts. So if you are someone that's on our list, you're like, hey, I'm going to be a table host. I'm gonna, it's going to be me and seven of my best friends or more. We can seek more. As long as yeah, you what co- if I've got more best friends than just seven? That's fine. If it's 14, 15, we can have two <laughs> tables. But here's the deal. If you're a table host, you get to come to the VIP reception and actually meet Joe Theismann. So if that interests you, you got to you got to be on that list. So make sure me and Aurora know Um so, or if you if you don't have Mira Roar's contact, you can just call the front desk at the scout office and tell them I want to be a table host. I got seven other people that are going to come with me, and we'll get you hooked up. 
Mm-hmm. All right, Cub Master Kyle, anything you'd like to add before we have to go today? You know, I'm just super excited. We just kicked off our adventure card season. Um, there's five new offers on the card, some stuff that you wow, have five. never seen on the card. Man, yeah. I didn't even know it was five. I knew you were getting a bunch. I didn't know it was mm-hmm. five. Yeah, there's five new. And then we have some returning as well. We have things like Academy that has come on this year. Uh, we have Chicken Salad Chick that has come on this year. Uh, Ace Hardware, Elders Ace Hardware is back again. They're always so great to um, the Cherokee Area Council and our scouts here in our area. But uh, lots of different offers. Offers on there, uh, some cool uh, show and sell opportunities that have already been set up for units, and those cards are available to pick up right now in the council office. All you got to do is stop by and see Miss Sarah, and she'll get you taken care of as a unit. Jared, you should never underestimate Cub Master Kyle. He always does things, everything. Over and above the call of duty. I know. I know. I shouldn't be surprised. Though, you <laughs> you know, shouldn't but, have been surprised. Yeah, I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have. You're right. You're oh, right. and there's going to be, you can uh, you can tell your little ones that there are going to be a new patch this year as Ooh. well for adventure cards. So new patch. they want to earn the patch, then they got to sell adventure cards. Cool. So and, we gave out a lot of patches in December, if I recall. Uh, we yeah, well, it. we got some more to give out, too, I think. Yeah. Funny, funny story. So I went to Roundtable, you know, a couple of weeks ago for our first Roundtable of the year. And um, the people that had won, like literally we announced, you know, I put out that podcast that morning. And that afternoon I was already getting text messages where my patch at. <laughs> And I have my patch. <laughs> so I had to take some of them to round table with me to handle my so, out to so, people that had won so, awards. So, Sean, this is for our listening audience. This is the time that me and Sean say two things. Number one, we're grateful for all the award winners. Number two, we're grateful that Kyle's the only one who has the patches and the people don't harass us for them. Yeah. Right, I, Sean? I, I couldn't even tell you. <laughs> so, yeah. So, if, a good thing nobody asked. so if you want a scouty and you haven't got it yet, it's all on Kyle. Yeah, Yeah. that's all I mean. Let me tell you, that patch is seriously like sought after in our council from the patch collectors in our council. I bet. Wow, they want that patch. And if Kyle runs out of patches, it's not our fault either. (laughs) No, I'm very selective. You have to be on the podcast or win a scouting to get one. So here's what I Because weren't there only like 100 made? Yeah, right. There's only 100. But here's the thing I would say is, you know, um, what did you say about it? It's, It's not our fault yeah it's not our but fault. but it would definitely be and become our problem no it'd be okay. your problem <laughs> no because you're like, the ceo look at look at look at kyle cackling look at that like a like a, like a mumble cackle you know the, the ceo catches everything that comes trickling down listen i'm the ceo i'm not the cpo yeah, but not, the the chief, chief, yeah, not the chief. Not the, the chief patch okay. officer. The chief patch officer. know. Oh yeah, if that's in your job point, description. The look, board. I'm not the point that anybody I'm not the, in our area that it's got to be Phil Ledbetter. It's I'm not, not the, me. I'm not the warden of the patches. <laughs> well, I think know? the next board meeting, I'm going to raise whatever you do to get that added to your job description. Oh great, thank you so much. I'm just so honored, <laughs> and it doesn't come with a pay raise. Just either. in time, just in time for Oscar season. I'm so honored to receive yeah. this new responsibility. That's hilarious. Warden of the patches. Well, with all that said, we're out of time. But is there oh, any goodness. final word you'd like to say before we have to go? Anything at all? Kyle? 
I just want to say a big congratulations to all of our Arrow of Light kids out there and Cub Scouts that are crossing over during their Blue and Gold Banquets this month to uh, into Scouts BSA. I know there's going to be a lot of them out there crossing over in the next month, month and a half. So congratulations. All right, Jared, anything else? I just you know, say thank you again to both of you. Great guest having Judge Alex McVay on today, and I'm excited for uh, to uh, learn more about it, and hopefully we can uh, – build some relationships i'd love to see our scouting units you know sean he offered to any of our scouting groups want to come and sit on the have older scouts come sit on the bench and and learn what they do i I think it's an amazing opportunity i hope people take them up on it i hope a lot of people uh, learn some of what i did today and that is the fact that didn't really know exactly what all the general sessions court did here in hamilton county and then also to find out there's a recovery court So uh, both of them is a lot of information, and we certainly appreciate Judge Alec McVeigh. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Scout on Chattanooga. Go to the Scout on Chattanooga Facebook page for any suggestions or comments about today's podcast. Click on the subscribe button at your favorite podcast platform for all future podcasts. For Jared Pickens, Come Master Kyle, I'm Sean Whitfield, and thank you for listening. This has been another episode of Scout on Chattanooga, presented by the Cherokee Area Council BSA. To learn more about scouting in the Tennessee Valley, join a unit, or donate and become a friend of scouting, visit CherokeeAreaBSA.org. And be sure to join us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And use the hashtag TNGAScouts to stay up to date with the youth leaders in our area.